Well, you found us, and we're glad you have. She's Danny Wexelman. I'm Darren Sutton. This is every two weeks. Look, we promised it would happen. We promised it would be every two weeks. We're not letting you down. Honestly, we're not letting ourselves down, and that's what makes us most excited. Um, this show is devoted to talented athletes that you would call the future of the game, and this week is no different. Danny, you parachuted into the World Showcase. You were close with a lot of great athletes. It's Perfect Game's oldest showcase. It's uh, it's the OG, as the kids call it. It's it's a unique gathering of very diverse athletes. So you you found Elmer Rodriguez, who's from Puerto Rico. Uh, that's all you. I mean, you just spent time with him. I'm dying to hear it. Um, but what was uh, just a little nugget takeaway you have? Yeah, I mean, Elmer is a tall, slender young man who is committed to Oregon. And as you said, he's from Puerto Rico. He speaks incredible English. He's passionate. He's inspired by his grandfather. We'll hear more about that from him. Uh, I took away that this guy is humbled by the game and knows that he can't take anything for granted, which always impresses me um, when kids are younger and already have a grasp of that concept but he's a cool kid he hit 94 at the world showcase he had all the scouts at his game paying attention to him um, I'm, I'm excited to share a little bit of a story with you Kyle Sally goes to Duke and we have found him for a lot of reasons he was he was a, a big time guy when he was at PG he was drafted by the White Sox out of high school um, but we found him because he took part in the virtual Dream Series. If you're new to the Dream Series, real quickly, Major League Baseball and the Breakthrough Series, Tony Regan's, Dell Matthews, there's a lot more below them in, in leadership and putting it together. Every year, Martin Luther King Weekend brings some of the best pitchers and catchers from around the United States to Arizona. And they're trying to grow the game as it pertains to African-American athletes. And specifically in this case, where it needs to be grown the most, pitchers and catchers. Well, pandemic, right? They couldn't do it this year, but they could virtually. And Kyle was a part of it. You know, I love the Dream Series. You love it. We've both been invited by MLB to be a part of it through the years. So we want to get to know Kyle too, but we want to hear about the Dream Series. Absolutely. And I think there, there's so many different um, layers to Kyle. We'll definitely talk about, um, he made an Instagram post about the social and racial injustices and Black Lives Matter um, that, that were dominating our headlines and hopefully will continue to. I want to ask him about that. But I also want to ask him, he was drafted in the 40th round in 2018, the last round. We don't even know if there'll ever be another 40th round. And then now to come full circle to this moment, like how has he changed? So I'm excited to hear about that. Yes, from a 50th round draft pick myself, it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, but 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 he's taking his career to the top. He's in in in, uh, in a hopeful journey of being a big leaguer. So scouts eyes, and you obviously were there at the World Showcase. But so is VP of Player Personnel David Ronsley. Make sure you don't give him too much time. He'll never stop talking. Uh, Jared Goodwin is the national scouting director. There's a little PG Tech angle that he may share. Um, there was some cool stuff. And Todd Coffee. That's right. If you like baseball, that Todd Coffee. The major leaguer that used to race in from the bullpen, barrel chested. He's a scout now, and he's uh, he's going to be joining us, dropping in his scout size. Uh, so this is a great show. Excited about it. Uh, I'm going to grab the microphone for just a moment because I can, and uh, you know my producer is going to allow me. Uh, on the recording of this show, just prior to the recording of this show, my father passed away, and I'm here with you guys doing this podcast. I'm with the young athletes. Um, for the last five or six years with Perfect Game because of my dad. I, I love baseball because of my father. My dad brought me to work all the time. And my dad is Don Sutton, if you're not aware of that. 
Um, and he passed away after a pretty long battle with cancer, passed away in his sleep. Uh, and, and he did so very privately and that was his desire. But uh, he treated everyone with so much respect. And he also, whether you were the elevator operator at uh, a county stadium in Milwaukee, or whether you were you know, a super agent who could help him make more money, he treated you the same. He also worked harder than anybody else. He didn't have the skill set of most of his teammates, and he worked harder than everybody else I saw. But that work ethic was in life. It was in preparing to be a broadcaster. It was in making sure that he did what he had to do uh, to be prepared to provide. So that's what I'll take with me. Here's how I was able to celebrate his life. Um, the outpouring of communication in a modern world where you can't have what you would deem as a respectable memorial, a respectable funeral because of the because of the virus, you know, on the day I learned he passed, I couldn't come up for air with the communication. And it was 80-year-old players that had played with or against him. It was people on down the line, communicators, broadcasters, everyone around. But on this podcast, here's why I want gave you the lengthy sharing of this. It was you guys. It was dozens and dozens of young players that players that Danny and I have interacted with that held on to my number from when we bothered them to come on our content that reached out to say they were sorry. And it's interesting. I could give a lot of credit. My apologies, folks. I could give a lot of credit to the parents and it is good parenting. It's damn good parenting, but it's you kids. So in a time in which we're curious about our future, where we have questions about our future, as I celebrated the life of my dad, you guys helped me answer questions about our future. It's in really good hands that you would take time. I've only met most of you once or twice, um, but that you would take time to reach out. Hey, I want to thank all you guys, all you, all you 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds you should be proud that you took the time to send a message to a grieving family. And uh, so, you know, I, I get a little emotional, but again, this is my microphone for now. And, and thanks for listening. And, and I'm excited about this show because, you know, Danny reached out and said, hey, you want to do this? This is what we've gone through. And my answer was yes, because I work. And that's what my father taught me to do. And he worked as hard as anybody else. So definitely want to dedicate this to him. He wasn't super podcast guy kind of guy. He was not going to download and listen to this podcast. Probably never had. But uh, I don't care. I'm going to dedicate this one to him, Danny. So Kyle... And by the way, thank you. We appreciate you shooting the breeze with us. The dream and series. happy I birthday. Wanted... Yeah, happy birthday. That's exactly right. <laughs> Danny just it. jumped in there and did it. Uh, yeah, happy birthday. 21 years old. You can't get in trouble. We're in a pandemic. We understand all that. So plus, you're, plus you know, I, people can hear you. Um, I can see you. You're fit. You take care of yourself. You're not getting in trouble. You're, you're building your career. There's good things here in the next few months, we hope. But yes, happy birthday to you. I, I, I do want to start with the Dream Series because in our pre-interview, Danny shared it with you. You know, you know MLB and Dell and Tony would bring us out there. It was my honor to learn, to listen, uh, to cover um, I've been around these athletes as they've gotten older. They're where you want to be getting into the higher level of the minor leagues. But it was different this year, Kyle. And college athletes were involved, which I think was very cool. Um, what did you enjoy most about the Dream Series? And we introduced folks to what it was early on. So we don't have to go to the, the ground floor of what it is. But for you interacting um, with, with talented players, with younger African-American players, give me, give me, a, give me a, a bit of a rundown on the Dream Series this year. Uh, the Dream Series, uh, for me personally, was just a, a really eye-opening experience for me. Um, you know, uh, playing on a team from the south side of Chicago, you know, you don't – I didn't see too many other teams that, you know, looked like us. You know, we were a predominantly all-black team. Um, 
to just going to tournaments and not seeing anybody that really looked like us with the exception of like one or two guys on the team maybe. And then you go to the Dream Series and it's like there's guys from all over that are talented, intelligent, you know, hardworking and kind of guys that you'd want to be around. And it was just really, it was really cool to just meet all the new guys, guys that I still keep in touch with today. Um, seeing guys that were drafted, guys in college and, you know, we all keep up with each other. Um, it was just really cool to just play, compete with them, play with them. Um, the coaching and instruction was, was, was uh, second to none, um, former major leaguers, things like that. So just, you know, being around guys that, you know, had similar qualities and similar aspirations as I, um, that also looked like me, um, was extremely important for me. And it, it inspired me to, you know, to work harder and to, you know, reach the heights that, you know, all of us wanted to reach. So it's interesting. Um, as you look at the youth, you're, you're now a man, as you look at some of the younger brothers that were in there with you, right? Um, where is this, the state of the evolution of the African-American in baseball? And, and I mainly mean like 15, 16, 17 years old, you're, you're on your journey, you're almost there. What are you seeing when you talk to young athletes? What questions are they asking you? Where is baseball in hopefully its evolution? Um, yeah, I definitely see evolution. I think it's very exciting to see young guys that are excited about playing baseball. Um, you know, um, there's been a, a decline in terms of the representation of African-Americans in the major leagues. And, you know, that's often discouraged a lot of people to not play baseball and not, you know, go that route. But I'm starting to see more and more guys that are playing baseball, excited to play baseball and, and happy to play the sport and that are, have genuine love for the sport. Um, and I definitely have younger relatives, younger uh, kids that I know and interact with that have been to dream series and breakthrough series and things like that. And they just, you know, they just, they just want to learn. And, you know, they're asking me questions and, you know, ask me about my mindset um, and things like that. Even like, what, what did you do to get to where you are? Um, you know, and I just think it's really, it's really exciting and inspiring to see those young guys have that, you know, motive and have that, that intense aspiration to get better, to learn, to do well in the classroom, to be good people. And, you know, the more I see guys come into college and going to college, getting their education, that just, that makes me excited. Um, See, so yeah, I just, I think, I think it is evolving more and more African-American baseball players commit to big, big time schools and get drafted. So I'm very excited to see where it goes. And yeah, I have nothing but, um, nothing but hope for the next generation of, of African-American baseball players. I love hearing that. Um, I, I absolutely love hearing that. And I feel like it sounds like you've started to cultivate your voice in your community, at school, um, in, in different places that you find yourself. And as I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm looking through your Instagram and you don't have a ton of posts, so it doesn't take a long time to get through. And, and what stuck out to me was in June, um, you know, the words that you decided to put together um, when Black Lives Matter and the social and racial injustice um, was ringing louder than ever um, and, and, and is still ringing loud right now. And, and you wrote that it's important to have the hard conversations and Darren and I make a point to have those hard conversations. And I tell people sometimes 
I still don't know what to say. I still don't know if I'm saying things correctly, but I know that it's important to say them. And so I'm kind of wondering from like our perspective, someone who covers the game, who we work with a lot of black athletes at every age level, um, what can we do to help be a part of the change and make a difference um, when it comes to African-Americans in the game of baseball? Um, I think just uh, being there and showing unconditional love is something that is extremely important. Um, and also being confident in that. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times there's, there's a hesitance or an uncomfortable, like an uncomfortable, um, like attitude towards being an ally and having those conversations and, you know, kind of shying away from certain questions or like phrasing things in a way that, you know, may not get a deeper conversation more on on the surface type of conversation. And I think, um, just the relationships that we have to create need to be to the point where we have trust in each other to the point where you can ask me anything. And I know that it comes from a place of love and a place of you wanting to help me and be there for me. Um, I think I've seen a lot of people that, you know, have, you know, had those conversations, but they didn't feel it was genuine. They just felt like it was more so just, uh, I'm gonna check up on you because it's the right thing to do. Not I'm gonna check up on you for my well-being as well. And I think learning and just being observant of the things that are going on in our community. Um, Cause there's things that I see in that I will think about and have certain feelings about during the day and have to kind of carry that throughout the day and you know keep a smile on my face and I'll never speak about it. And I'll never speak about it because I don't think that there's a lot of people that can relate to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that comes at the expense of people just not knowing what's going on. But I'd say just, just educating and just trying to be there for someone genuinely and not just for that person because that's your friend, but for them and their community and those that you don't know. Because um, that, that's extremely important. It, it can't just be because you have a, a Black friend or a Black teammate. It should be because you want to see unity and peace amongst everyone. You're so thoughtful. Um, I, you know, everything that you're saying, um, you know, you've had time, I'm sure to think about, but also you're speaking from your heart. And I, I appreciate that. I know Darren does too. When you do speak and, and people are listening um, from your teammates to uh, coaches, to friends who play college baseball, like what kind of, what kind of support have you gotten feedback um, questions? You know, how, how have those conversations been? Um, the conversations have been good. Definitely, you know, talking with certain teammates who, um, you know, are inquisitive about, you know, what's going on and how I'm feeling. And especially during that time, uh, people were reaching out and calling and, you know, kind of making sure I was okay and just asking questions like, well, you know, like, how do you feel about this or what can I be doing to, to help out? And that's really what kind of inspired me to, to speak up about it just to, you know, um, and also just reposting things and retweeting things just to, you know, be that voice that people go to, to be like, I know that Kyle will be there, be an open ear for me. And like, if I needed to ask him a question, I know I can ask him and feel comfortable in doing so. So I just wanted to 
to be that kind of, uh, yeah, just be that person that they can go to. So, you know, the feedback I got was, was great and people were very um, thankful for it and people were thought it was very eye-opening for them. Um, and just one of the things that I really wanted to drive home is that you may not be a part of the problem, but make it, you know, a mission to be part of the solution. And that's that one line I think was was a big game changer for a lot of people. And you know, they saw it as like I'm not contributing to the injustice or inequality, but I'm not doing anything to help help out. And that that's something that that I feel got the best feedback and just having conversations with coaches, players, um, you know, anybody, umpires. I've talked to umpire after a game before who just had questions in the parking lot and I was just you know, um, so yeah, I just thought, I thought it was, I thought it was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely was. I love that. I want to read a scouting report to you. Okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Do you mind? <laughs> I want to, I want to read a scouting report to you. This is from perfect game. This is from the Jupiter event back in uh, 2017. And here's what I want you to do. Drink it in, listen to it. And then tell me how you evolved from here. Like if, if this is your starting point, right. Tell me who you are now. I can read your stats, but I haven't seen you pitch in person. I did see you pitch in person there, amazingly enough. I didn't write this report. I'm not good enough uh, to be a scout. So here you go. This is from uh, from Jupiter 2017, and it reads, Sally showed a, off a loose, quick arm stroke from the left side, generating fastballs that reached 91 and settled in at 85 to 88, highlighted by the plus sink at times down in the zone. That's a good thing. He showed both the curveball and a slider, with the curveball being softer and bigger breaking, landing it for strikes at will, while the slider was sharper and shorter, buried down in the zone as the strikeout pitch. 2017, how have you evolved from them? Because I know you have. Yeah, for sure. Um, and by yeah. the way, that's a great scouting report. So if you've evolved, <laughs> you're like an A-plus student now. So how have you evolved? Yeah, that was one of my better days down there. Jupiter. Um, definitely evolved physically. Um, you know, I was always – I was a late bloomer in terms of me developing physically, like – I used to be skin and bones. I was short. And then, you know, I kind of grew a little bit, got some meat on my bones. So um, definitely uh, stronger than I was before. Um, you know, uh, the changeup is something that I've really been working on and just making that a, a solidified pitch for me in my arsenal. Um, I kind of scrapped the curveball and just stuck to slider. Uh, so it's fastball changeup slider now. And Really, the biggest difference is just, you know, thinking like a pitcher and going about my business as a pitcher. I was kind of a two-way up until I got to college. So really just focusing on pitching and mechanics have been the biggest difference for me. Um, this past summer during quarantine, I went to, to train with uh, my old pitching coach, Marvin Freeman, and we just really hit home on mechanics and just – uh, I just had to look at myself and understand that I could be better in a lot of areas in terms of my mechanics. And so how, how, how could you be better? Cause you're talking to an old minor league pitcher. Give me some specifics. <laughs> For me, it was just utilizing my leg more. I get a lot of my strength and power from my lower half. And I felt like I wasn't uh, utilizing that to the best of my ability. And obviously um, it's not that I was doing poorly before, it's just I knew that I could be better, and I just wanted to take the time to, to really to work on myself and engage. And, and it definitely made a difference. Uh, 
within about four weeks, I went from about being like 88 to 89 to being 93 to 95. So that kind of mm-hmm. made a, a really big jump for me. And, you know, just kind of being consistent in my mechanics and, you know, also mindset has been huge for me. Uh, being mentally tough, mentally, you know, just trying to be confident uh, with all my pitches and any count and just being able to not let things get to me. You know, when you're a high school pitcher, you know, things start going bad. It's like, oh no, like, you know, you're not necessarily used to, to having an out and we didn't hit around or things like that. But just being able to, to bounce back after a bad ending or a bad at bat is something that I've really worked on and really developed. So, uh, say mechanics and mental toughness are the two things I've, I've evolved since then. Absolutely. So the change up real quick, what, what are some of the keys for it to you? And I always ask my younger pitchers, um, bring it to life for me. If you were to take your change up into the room and introduce it to me and say, hi, this is my change up. Tell me about it. You know, the grip, the importance, the mechanics that go into it, the mindset, tell me, cause I'm always so jealous of you guys. I never could master it. It was always this for me. I never could master it. It was split finger fastball. So, you know, for those that are younger that are listening, how have you mastered your changeup or tried to master it? Um, for me, it's just keeping the same arm speed. You know, a lot of times with the changeup. Do you throw it as hard as you can? Essentially? Yeah, essentially, yes. I'm not, yeah. I'm not necessarily ripping through it the same way I would with the fastball, right. but I'm trying to keep the same arm speed and just finish it most importantly. Uh, if I get here and I push it, then it'll just, it'll go up and away. And I'll miss with it every time. I mean, it'll still move, but I know I'm at my best when I can really finish out in front. And, you know, as some guys say, shake hands with the catcher, um, just reach out and, and get through it. And that's when it has the best movement, its best uh, command. Um, I'm obviously still trying to master it because it's definitely not an easy pitch to get, to get for sure. Um, but yeah, I held it with a two-seam two grip um a circle chain and kind of kind of want to mirror it with my two seam fastball a little bit and you know it's it's usually around 83 84 so uh looking forward to to using it this year didn't really use it much freshman and sophomore year it's kind of a, a new development for me so uh really looking forward to being able to throw it dude the hitters are gonna hate you i can't wait to watch <laughs> It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, okay, we, we heard a little bit about how you have developed pitching wise, um, you know, in the in the past few years. So drafted in the 40th round, the last round in 2018. And, you know, you were drafted. That That is an accomplishment in itself to be drafted, but that wasn't good enough for you. You bet on yourself. You invested in yourself. You go to Duke. Um, today's your birthday while we're recording this podcast. It's a big day. It's exciting. You're 21. Like, you know, you're going into your junior year and it, it's a big year for you. So personally, how have you changed since that moment? Like, who are you now or what attributes do you have now that you didn't have in 2018? Um, you know, it's definitely a maturity in terms of, you know, me growing up and becoming a young man and, you know, obviously being in, in college and going to school and, you know, cl- um, practice and everything, just having to, to be very accountable, be very responsible, um, you know, 
take care of business, do, do the little things, attention to detail. Um, you, know, you can kind of get away with things in high school when you're younger and just, you know, maybe, you know, kind of like halfway doing it, you know, but, you know, when you're in college, you really have to grow up. You really have to, to do things the right way. And I think that's been something that I've, I've really valued with the college experience, just, um, you know, the long nights of writing essays and, you know, trying not to procrastinate and just having to go to practice and getting my work in. That's just something that, that I wouldn't have gotten if, you know, I went out of high school. And, you know, obviously I, I really value education. That's, that's the reason that I, that I came to school. Um, but yeah, for me, just the, the biggest difference is just me growing um, physically, mentally, emotionally, and, you know, I have, I have more confidence in myself as a, as a pitcher throughout all the experiences that I've had, the ups and downs of, you know, playing in college and, you know, not every day is not going to be your best day and just come to terms with the fact that you got to be able to come out the next day, the next day bat, the next pitch and, and better in yourself. And that's something that I've learned to do is to better myself and believe in myself because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And that's something that I, that I take to heart. And that's something that um, I take with me in the, in the weight room, in the classroom. I have to, I have to work, work as hard as I can, give it, as, give it all I got, essentially. And at the end of the day, have no regrets about could you have done better? Could you have done more? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest difference for me. You've grown a lot. You've done yeah. a lot of growing. Yeah, college is a good thing uh, in a lot of different ways. I want to hear about your team. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about the guys who are going to be on the field for Duke this year? Uh, I mean, yeah, um, we got some guys back. and you know, we got Rothenberg and Loprofito back. Um, uh, Pitching-wise, we're going to have a relatively inexperienced staff, but we got a lot of guys that, that, that can do some special things. And uh, I believe in everybody on the team. Um, yeah. you know, we got a lot of returns. We, you know, we lost Jarvis and, and Gerard and Mervis, but, uh, we got, a, we got a lot of guys that can fill those roles and that, uh, that, that can play with the best of them. Um, you know, my roommate, Ethan Murray, uh, obviously, obviously I'm rooting for him, uh, over <laughs> uh so yeah, this, this very, very confident in, in the work that we put in. And I think, I think at, at the end of the day, I think we'll, we got a good shot at making it to Omaha at the end of the year. Um, we're, we're just working hard. And in terms of who will be playing, I, I can't speak to that. But, uh, you, know, you know, whoever they have on the field, I'm sure will be, will be the right group of people and the, the group of people that will set us up to win. So. How's my buddy James Vaughn doing? Oh, James, James is great. <laughs> great guy uh one of, one of my very close with him he's really good dude so take care of him you can be his bodyguard take care of him he's, <laughs> you're the veteran he's the baby danny so so vaughn was one of my favorite interviews like and you'll appreciate this in the heart of the pandemic right in the heart of it like no one was going anywhere and especially he came on with me and did a 20-minute interview from right there at his place in new york and oh it, everything was bad and everything was bad. Wow. And, and so yeah. I'll always keep an eye on him, man. He was so vulnerable. Like you're being so honest. So 
Uh, I'll keep an eye on him. And then Chris Davis, who's transferred to your team, he's a favorite. He's like 68 years old, I think. So he's a fun <laughs> one to follow. But uh, anyway, I like your team. I like your team. You're one of the hottest yeah. teams in the country, dude. I mean, if yeah. you can make your grades, if you can make your grades, everyone wants to go to Duke these days. Coach Pollard's got it going on. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got us on a tight ship over here, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Was that right or wrong? Is Davis 43-61? How old is Chris? Uh, I think he's, he's getting in his 40s. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. He's a lot smarter than me. Look, he's a lot smarter than me. I can't tease him for too long. Uh, I'm good, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Kyle, so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So the World Showcase, such a diverse gathering of athletes, but we don't truly understand it unless we lean on those who know what they're talking about. We know the bio stuff, and we can fake baseball a bit, but but perfect game with their scouting department's outstanding. Scouts Eyes, it's a segment that we have every single week. Let's go to that World Showcase, and nobody's seen more athletes in the history of the event the Vice President of Player Personnel, David Ronsley. One of the things about the World Showcase that makes it special is it's really an international event. And, and this year was no different. It's something we put a lot of effort into, both with the Puerto Ricans and increasingly with the young international players, the players, the 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, even a 13-year-old who are going to be eligible for to sign internationally soon. And there were two young Dominicans that really caught my eye. One of them was a, a 15-year-old right-handed pitcher named Luis Reyes, uh, listed at 6'1", 150 pounds, uh, looks, looks 15, but throws like an adult. He was up to 92 on his fastball, a lightning, lightning fast arm. He did a really good job of dropping a, a 75, 78 mile an hour breaking ball into the strike zone once he calmed down. But this is a kid, Luis Reyes, and it's really easy to see him as a re regular mid-90s guy once he gets anywhere close to physical maturity. Um, the other is a young shortstop named Darwin Lara, and, you know, Dominican is, uh, is synonymous with shortstops. And you look at him, and, and with the bat, he's still young, but he has a body that you know is going to get strong. He's about 5'10", about 160 pounds, and 15 years old but it's his defense. He has all those actions, all that quickness, all the arm strength that you can easily see him being a top flight um, shortstop in the big leagues. And that's Darwin Lara. Now you look at the Puerto Ricans, you know, the Puerto Ricans are very regular here. We can't do our showcase in Puerto Rico, Danny, you need to be at our showcase in Puerto Rico when we get them going again, but, but hurricanes and pandemics have sort of affected that. So this is really the big event for a lot of the Puerto Rican prospects. And it's great to see them. Um, the one guy, and I know you've talked to him, um, that really stood out, Elmer Rodriguez, a big 6'4", 165-pound, eminently projectable right-hander. Um, he was up to 94, threw strikes, had a good feel for the breaking ball, and it's very rare to find pitchers out of Puerto Rico. I mean, start the list of famous pitchers, successful pitchers out of Puerto Rico. It's not a long list. So to see somebody like Elmer Rodriguez is great. And there was another pitcher, and I don't think they're related, I don't know, Abdiel Rodriguez, who also stood out, another slender young Puerto Rican who, who was up to 90 again, spun the ball really well. So we've got the two Rodriguez's, Elmer and Abdiel, who both really stood out on the mound, which is unusual, as I said. But again, we're talking of Puerto Rico, we're talking Latin, so there has to be a middle infielder. Um, Ryan Sapero, uh, Roman, I think is one of the top defensive shortstops in the class. He's He's a, a senior, a 2021. Uh, he runs a 6'4", 60. He ran the fastest 60 of the event. 
Um, he threw 94 from the infield and he has all the actions. I got to watch him in a game, make a defensive play up the middle that any big leaguer would have been proud of. And he did it with confidence. He did it with flow and it was nice. So Ryan Stapero Roman, I think he's going to be a future big league shortstop just based on his defense alone. The world showcase was originally created, what, 20 plus years ago, um, in perfect games infancy to highlight seniors going into their senior draft year right before the spring starts. And, you know, I've watched Zach Greinke, you know, for instance, play there. And, and I've watched Zach Greinke catch there because he wanted to be a positions player so bad. So getting quality seniors there in front of the scouts. And there were a lot of scouts at this event. Um, trust me, is an important thing. And uh, I'm going to highlight four of them, um, you know, and only two of them from Florida. Um, one of them was Renee Lastris. Uh, Renee, you know, All-American catcher. Um, I consider him the top defensive catcher in, in the class. There's always been some question about his bat. You know, he's 6'3", 215. He looks like a big leaguer and there's great strength there, but seeing him hit the ball. And he turned around a 93-mile-an-hour Elmer Rodriguez fastball on Brett Field at Terry Park, hit it over the two fences and across the road. It was, it, I mean, 4, 420, 440, you know, just an epic blast. And every scout at the event was watching that. So Renee Lastris had a great event just with that swing and he has a great track record. Another guy who played great, Jonathan Santucci, an outfielder from Massachusetts, uh, high, very highly ranked. I think he's 58th in the country. Um, so he's very well known, but boy, he took, I mean, he's a prototype right fielder. Um, he took a perfect uh, drill round in the outfield, one of the best I've ever seen. He took a great BP. He looks to be in great shape. And I know that Season in Massachusetts isn't going to get started for a long time, but a lot of scouts saw what they wanted to see um, that weekend. Um, another player from uh, Florida, Alex Ujoa, um, you know, a shortstop. I think he's ranked 52nd in the class right now. He had a great event. The tools are there. The two things I like about Alex is the tools are there. It's a two-way shortstop. He hits and he has all the defensive tools to play, stay in the middle infield, but he also plays the game so hard. I mean, he, he's a guy who is going to play the same in the seventh inning on a Sunday of the second day of a showcase as he is, you know, in, in any game. And, and you really love to see that for a young player. So Alex, Alex Ujoa had a, had a great event. And finally, one of my favorite players, Brock Daniels uh, from Mississippi. He's going to be a second baseman at the next level, but he's going to hit and he's going to be a really good second baseman. This is one of the most polished players in the country. Um, and it's just fun watching him play because he, he's, he's so polished. He's in so much in control of his game. And those are the guys that end up playing the big leagues pretty fast because they go out into the minor leagues, they perform, they get noticed, and they move up really quickly. And that's Brock Daniels. Let's talk about the surprising number of uncommitteds and unsigned seniors who have the talent, um, but for one reason or another, pandemic or not, um, have not found their way onto a roster yet. Yeah, and, and Danny, this, this is something that's happening all over the country, and and, and it, it's really two causes um, with these number of, of uncommitted seniors who have talent. One of them, of course, is the pandemic. You know, college coaches haven't been able to travel for the last year, and, and it's harder to harder to be recruited when you can't be seen in person. And, and Perfect Game has done you know tons, um, you know, with our very you know with our, our streaming and with videos available to help the college coaches. But, you know, some players don't get seen as much, but even if they do get seen, the roster situations at the college level 
with with players coming back because of the shortened draft that weren't expected with with players being granted an extra year of eligibility so you you have programs that simply have no roster space and no scholarship space to take on as many members of the class of 2021 as they would usually do so there's a lot of players out there in in the recruiting desert so to speak and uh who have definite d1 tools and even power five conference tools and and i'm going to highlight five of them um, right here. One of them is Derek DJ Radke, uh, a right-handed pitcher from Georgia. He was up to 92. Um, it's a sound delivery. He was able to throw strikes with it. And usually you say, hey, we've got a right-hander up to 92, can spin the ball from Georgia. Everybody's seen him. That's an automatic SEC guy. He's not committed right now. Um, Nick Hill from Southern California. You know baseball has been on severe lockdown in Southern California. Um, he's a young man and a uh, shortstop now probably ends up at third base. Uh, he had a big home run on Saturday uh, against a good pitcher, um, you know, really showed a strong right-handed bat, a guy who can probably definitely play in the Pac-12, play for, uh, uh, you know, a school in that, that conference or a high-quality West Coast program. Um, staying in California, there was a lefty from Northern California, from the Bay Area, um, same thing. They're in baseball lockdown there. And, and to see these guys flying cross country in, in January to play is great. Um, left-hander William Nabus from Bellarmine, a great program up there. You know, a lefty who throws 88 with great life, slider, changeup, three pitches, strikes. Those, that's somebody who can step in at any D1 program in the country now and pitch as a freshman um, with, with that kind of stuff. And he's a big six, two, 205 pound kid with a mature body. And I love the life on his fastball. So, and, you know, and, and then we go back to Florida, Marcus Franco, everybody in the country has seen Marcus Franco. You've seen Marcus Franco play. Um, you know, Marcus isn't the fastest player in baseball. Uh, he's a first baseman DH, but boy, does he rake every single at bat. Uh, he rakes. It doesn't matter the pitching. And he went on batting practice. He's a right-handed hitter and two, hit two bombs to right center field during batting practice on a bit, you know, on the Terry Park Stadium field. So he had a great event. He can go play first base and DH anywhere, you know, anywhere he wants. And finally, a kid from Indiana, the Heartland, um, Steel Jackson. Um, Steel Jackson from Hamilton, Indiana. He's an outfielder, six foot, 195 pound right-handed hitter, and he he just squared the ball up. You know, virtually every, every at bat in batting practice, he had a, a double and a triple in games. His triple was really fun because um, the other team brought in Grant Hussey. And we know Grant, you know, he's one of the top first basemen in the country. I don't think Grant pitches too much, but evidently Steele, Steele and, uh, and Grant played on or know each other. They were obviously good friends because Grant's first pitch was, you know, the, the Randy Johnson, John Cruck about three feet behind him. And everybody's laughing and everything. So Husty throws an 86-mile-hour fastball on the next pitch right down the middle, and Jackson hits it to the fence in left center field for a triple. And he was going around the bases going, okay, I got you. I got you. So Steele Jackson from Indiana, another very, very solid guy who I can see in any big, you know, middle of the country, Big Ten, Big 12 type, type school uh, being a, a contributor right away with his bat. I am so excited to get a chance to talk to Elmer Rodriguez. Elmer, you were at the 2021 World Showcase, and I haven't had a chance to see you pitch in person or get to know you very well. We've interacted a little bit, but mm -hmm. for me and everybody else, can you kind of tell me a little bit about where you're from and who you are? 
Um, well, I was born in, three, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, basically, I've been, and I've, you know, I've been living there since I was, since I was a little kid, since I was, since I was born. Um, basically, coming here to the World Showcase is an honor to be here, a privilege. You know, not many people get the honor to be here, and for me to come here and you know, show my abilities, and you know, it's amazing. It's a wonderful experience. Can you kind of paint me a picture of where you're from, San Juan, and, and what, um, what baseball looks and sounds like there? Well, basically, where, where I live is like in the countryside. Yeah. You know, my dad has a lot of, you know, chickens, and, you know, from the, you know, like a farm. Um, basically, there's not many baseball there. I have, like, to move around, you know, from to the city, so, you know, so, so that I can play baseball, you know, being in teams. And do you remember the first time you picked up a baseball or a bat or a glove? Um, not really. I don't remember that much because I started baseball, like, you know, since I was a little kid, I was shadowing my brother because he's older than me. I was watching play, you know, and one day I decided, you know, he was playing baseball and I was decided to play, you know, start playing too. And since, since that moment, baseball has been like my favorite sport and the sport that I've been playing since. How long have you been pitching? Pitching for the last two years, I've been started only pitching. You know, I used to play all the, all the position, outfielder, I used to play first base, but you know, I decided to, to stick with, with pitching. Who are some of the people that you watch in the big leagues that you like who throw, or someone from home that you enjoy watching? Um, for the big leagues, I'd say Garrett Cole because I'm a Yankee and you know, he's he signed with the Yankees, you know, and since he's been there, he's been my favorite pitcher. <laughs> You know, I always liked him before he was in the Astros. But in home, I used to watch my brother too, you know, because he was the only pitcher, because I have a lot of cousins, my dad, none of them were pitchers. Only my brother was the only pitcher, and you know, um, I, I've been, I like this. You know, it's my favorite position since I was playing baseball. And yeah, you know, now I'm a pitcher only. Well, you look comfortable on the mound, and we're gonna get yeah. to that in a second, but I wanna talk a little bit more about your family. So yeah. you mentioned your brother, tell me his name, and tell me about the rest of your family. Um, my brother, his name is Victor Rodriguez. Um, my dad, he's Carlos Rodriguez, and my mom, Raquel Cruz. Um, my mom and is a teacher back there in Puerto Rico. My dad works for the government. And just my brother is in his second year in the university. You know, he's, he's studying there in, in Puerto Rico. And yeah, that's basically it, because I, ha I have a lot of co uh, two cousins, um, aunts, uh, and my grandma. Um, but yeah, that, that is basically like the closest family I got. And you travel here by yourself. So they're back home. They're waiting yeah. for the phone call yeah. to hear how you did. So when you call them, you know, what will you tell them about your performance here? Well, I felt great. You know, I came here, you know, I struggled a little bit in the beginning, but you know, I got to, you know, you know, make a, make up mistakes. And, you know, I felt comfortable in the mound. Um, right here, right now, it's a, a little cold. It's in Puerto Rico, it's very, very warm. But you know, it's it's something that I gotta learn to deal with. And you know, it, it, I'll tell I'll tell them it went amazing for me. I, I say. Um, so you mentioned traveling to other cities mm -hmm. to practice. So can you kind of describe to me, you know, where these cities are and and what your practices look like now that you're committed to pitching? Um, basically, they're they're close home. They're like 20 minutes from home. You know, but. I've been starting um, practicing on um, working better on my mechanics, you know, trying to be more consistent and throwing. Um, it's, you know, it's been, a, it's been rough for me because, 
you know, I started training with a, with a pitching coach who, who got to the big leagues and, you know, he told me all the experience he had to face, you know, and, how, you know, that I had to work hard to, to accomplish my goals. Um, but it's basically that's it. Um, you know, I've been working on my mechanics, um, you know, to try and get better and, you know, throw better. Who's someone in your life that has inspired you? Um, I say my grandfather, you know, since I was a little kid, he always been teaching me, you know, to enjoy the game, never be mad if something didn't went well, you know, because every, everyone has a bad day. Um, you never know who's watching, you know, you just enjoy the game. Never be frustrated and, you, you know, be the, be the better man you can be. You told us that um, he, he told you to work hard with your heart and don't forget to play happy. Yeah. Can you kind of tell me what that means to you? It means a lot because, you know, when I was a kid, I was, you know, if something went wrong, I would start throwing bats, you know, being angry. And he would be like, don't do that. You know, you got to enjoy the game. You know, not everybody get the, the chance to play baseball. You know, it's a privilege to play baseball. And, you know, he's always been telling me, you know, enjoy it and try to, to, to you know, be, be better who you are and, you know, be a better person by playing the game. Being an example to, to other people who don't have the chances to be. I love that. I love that so much. I can see why he, he inspires you, and I know that he's watching down on you and sees what you're doing. At the World Showcase, walk me through what's going through your mind when you're walking out to the mound. There are scouts. There are a lot of scouts behind home watching you, but walk us through what is happening up here. Um, I'm, I just basically, you know, the, the first times I'll see scouts, I'll get nervous, you know. It's not every day you get scouts watching you, but, you know, by the time, I just try to, to enjoy it. Just just be happy in the moment, you know. I've practiced a lot to, you know, come here and, you know, I, I come here to show my abilities and, you know, I can come here and, you know, be trying to be different. I just try and do what I do and enjoy it. Did you notice them? Yeah, yeah I did, <laughs> but, you know, I was not focused. I was focused, you know, for me to do good and, you know, to practice, you know, do what I love, play baseball. After the first inning, so give up a home run to Renee Lastris. It's Renee Lastris, yeah. though. You know, he, he has a dangerous bat. After that happens, how do you recalibrate yourself? Reset well, yourself. Basically, just keep throwing. You know, I can't, like, if be get mad because he, home, he had a homer. You know, everybody has a good hit, <laughs> you know. And I just try to focus, focus, and, you know, keep continuing continue to throw strikes and, you know, keep my groove on. Yeah, and so when you finished, you had three innings. When yeah. you finished, how'd you feel? Well, I, f I felt great because uh, for me, I think it went well. You know, um, you know, I got the, the, the like this pressure off my shoulders. You know, I was the, the nerves that coming here. You know, I was trying to do good, and you know, thanks to God, I got to to have a, a wonderful, you know, a, a, a good a good outing. You know. Yeah, I wanted to ask. So, not everyone would admit that they were nervous. Were mm -hmm. you were you a little nervous? Well, not not nervous. I I felt like a little nervous. Excited, at the beginning. nervous. Yeah, I say I would say I was more excited than yeah. nervous. You know, but I'm here to to enjoy it. And your teammates around you, how how do they make you feel? And and do they kind of help uh, settle you down a little bit? Yeah, I say like I, I like have fun with them. You know, if something went wrong, they, I call, I go to the dugout, and you know they'll be like telling me jokes to you know I I could be you know. <laughs> Don't don't get bad, you know. Try to, to keep enjoying it, you know, to uh, stay happy in the moment. Describe yourself to me. Use some adjectives when you're on the mound. Who are you on the mound? 
What kind of person are you? I'll say I'm calm because I, I was trying to, you know, do, not not to get nervous in the moment. I just trying to to do to stay as calm as I can, you know, and just enjoy it, enjoy the moment. Um, why do you love baseball? Um, well, basically, it's the the game every member in my family plays, and you know, growing up playing it, and you know, see, you know, basically watching every every you know Puerto Rican every player play MLB, you know, has, has always been my dream. And since, you know, since I was 10 years old, I like proposed to myself that my goal is to get to the big leagues. I would like to be a big league player, you know, I'm still, I'm working hard for, for me to accomplish my goals. Do you work on the mental side of your game? You talked about, you know, setting these goals. Like, are you writing them down? Are you just saying them I, to I'm yourself? Just, I just say it into, to myself. Yeah. And committed to Oregon. Yeah. So tell me how, tell me how the recruiting process went for you and how you decided on Oregon. Um, well, basically, it was a national showcase um, back on June. Um, this past June, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, and you know, when I finished my outing, um, the the pitching coach from Oregon, he, he you know he texted me, and you know he saw what he you know what he saw what he saw what I did, and he liked it, and you know we got in touch with them, and you know he we you like had a lot of meetings, you know, talking talking over of Oregon, their program, and everything, and you know. I like sat, sat down with my family, you know, and we saw the best option, and we thought that that was the best options for me. What did that feel like? It, it felt amazing, you know, because being in Puerto Rico, like there, you know, you gotta come come out here and you know get get our, you know, people to see our abilities, and you know, not everybody. Like they told me that I was the only Latin player that's going there, and you know, and for Is me, that true? yeah. And for me, that, that, that is like, a, that is wild. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. <laughs> and like, wow, I was like amazed, you know, because I thought there were, you know, people all around the world, but, you know, and for me to, you know, to be there and, you know, going to Oregon, for me, it will be, it will be amazing. What makes you the most proud to be from Puerto Rico? Basically the culture and, you know, the type of, of you know, being from Puerto Rico, you know, it, for me, being a Puerto Rican is is like amazing. It's like a different, you know, a different from everyone. You know, we, we're like we say crazy, but you know, we enjoy everything we do. And you know, for me, it's an honor to be a Puerto Rican. If I'm gonna steal this question from Darren, if I were to come over to your family's house for dinner, what would the meal be? What would I see? What what would we talk about? Um, basically, we'll t we'll talk about life and you know meal. I say rice, beans, and and you know, steak. You know that's, that's like my favorite food there. You know everyone likes it. It's like a typical you know food we eat there. Um, and basically just enjoy it and talk about you know journeys we have, um, past memories, and you know it, I think it'll be amazing. Your English is so good. So, you know how long have you been studying and? You know, what, what are the most difficult parts? Um, I think it's so impressive that um, athletes are always learning the other language and I'm working to get my Spanish back to where it should be, but I, I just think it's so impressive. Your English is so good. Uh, well, since I, was, since I was in first grade, you know, I'll be in taking English classes, you know, trying, trying to learn it. Um, but yeah, I like, since I've been growing, uh, since I've been growing, you know, I kept like talking, you know, sort of, 
so that I could be more fluid with it. Sometimes, like, words, <laughs> I'm not that fluid, but, you know, I try to do the most of it and just, you know, just try and do my best. No, you're so good. You're so good. What do you say to younger athletes who come from San Juan, come from Puerto Rico, come from all over the place, who want to aspire to be like you? What do you say to them? Just work hard and, you know, enjoy it. You know, not everyone gets the players to do it. You know, just enjoy the moment. Just work hard for you to, for, for you to accomplish your goals. Amazing. We always take a slice of the pizza pie that is Perfect Game College Baseball in this podcast because my co-host is Hunter Pence. That Hunter Pence, the longtime major leaguer, who, by the way, in college played at Texarkana College uh, and played that Juco ball. Well, at one point through his journey at Texarkana College, uh, he went up against Skip Johnson as the opposing coach. By the way, now the head coach at Oklahoma. Well, Skip remembers Hunter, and Hunter remembers Skip. And by the way, as you listen to this, you can catch Perfect Game College Baseball on Sirius XM ESPNU Channel 84 every Tuesday, all year round, all year round. And uh, you can do so and listen to it every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Hunter, skip, go. Yeah, I mean, I was at Navarro for 16 years. Uh, loved my time there. Learned a lot about, you know, what development takes. And uh, I'll never forget Hunter being at Texarkana. Played at uh, Arlington High School, right, Hunter? Yes, I did. Yeah. And uh, uh, was uh, uh, Nix the head coach when you played there? Yep, David Nix. David Nix was the head coach when you played there. His dad, Cotton Nix, is a really good friend of mine. I'm from Denton, Texas. Cotton Nix okay. was a longtime scout with the Rangers. And uh, uh, I'll never forget it. You're leading our conference in Hidden. And uh, we went up to y'all's place, little bitty, little bitty ballpark, as you well know and uh, kind of struggled a little bit. And then you came down our place for the second half. We played a seven and a nine on a Wednesday and a seven and a nine on a Saturday. And I think you went like nine for 12. <laughs> the next time. I mean, just wore it out. I, I definitely doubles, <clears throat> but it was pretty I, awesome. I definitely remember that so vividly uh, because I remember it was Ricky Stober was the pitcher at our place and we didn't hit anything. And one of your guys hit either a triple or a homer. And I actually heard what they screamed out of the dugout. They said, twist the dagger. They screamed it, <laughs> twist the dagger. And I mean, Dex, he had a rampage on us losing at home. And uh, we went, we came down to your place and, and, and we had a fire lit under us and, I'll never forget the Golden Corral buffet and how it was like, I was so pumped to get to eat food after that one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah I, but, uh, it, it's uh, junior college is fun times because you get to spend so much more time with the players, you know, and yeah. uh, get to really work on your skill set. I learned more in junior college baseball than I ever, ever learned the rest of the way. And, and that's a fact because you have so much time and it's it's the 101 of baseball. And and you guys, y'all could really pitch skip like uh, facing those guys was was never an easy task. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about uh, your pitching philosophy, because everywhere you go, uh, the pitching just gets better and better. It's been that way at Oklahoma since you've been there. Uh, talk to me a little bit about working with these young pitchers, these college pitchers, and how you get them so dialed in so quickly. I think the biggest thing is, number one, you know, finding the guy that can really pitch, finding that talent a little bit, you know, uh, uh, that's number one. Number two is you, you got to make sure you show them how much you care before you show them how much you know. And once you start building that relationship, you kind of start um, really kind of molding that kid and, making sure, number one, he can repeat his delivery in a high-pressure situation. Number two is 
to understand being in control yourself in that in a high environment and pressure situation. And number three, being as competitive as you can. And those three things are really things that we really go through every day. We talk about, you know, the, you know, the things that you have to be able to do to pitch is you got those two, two pitches for strikes, you know, command a fastball or control a fastball and throw a breaking ball for a strike. You got to be able to hold runners and you got to be able to field your position. And then we kind of start molding the kid into attacking with his strengths versus the hitter's weakness. And a lot of times pitching's an art, it's not a science. And, and what we've done today in our society is we're trying to make it a science instead of making it art. And I'm kind of a little bit from the new school and a little bit from the old school. And I'm still learning today. That's why I'm still in it. You know, I, I was at Navarro for 16 years and really thought I knew what I was doing, but I got the opportunity to go to the University of Texas and coach for one of the best coaches, or I think is the best college baseball coach ever, Augie Garrido. And I think that we should name uh, the coach of the year after Augie Garrido. And, you know, my first year there, I'll never forget it. We, we, we had 40 wins, made it to a regional tournament. And, you know, I was thinking I go to recruit. I put my bag on the conveyor belt to go through security. And the, and the lady comes to our game. She said, hey, coach, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm sorry about y'all's year. And I thought, what she mean by that? And really was basically to tell me that the watermark at the University of Texas at that time was to go to Omaha. And so I really didn't understand what it meant until the second year. I was there and we had uh, four pitchers. Brandon Workman has won two World Series with the uh, uh, Boston Red Sox. Cole Green was a third rounder. Chance Ruffin was a first rounder. Staten Thomas. And there were four freshmen that we had to pitch. And it was like a, you know, peaks and valley, peaks and valley. When we went through it, I'd go down there and work on all those things at once until, you know, we went to Missouri. We give up 31 runs one night and we we're facing Aaron Crow. And the wind was blowing out 30 miles an hour. It was, you know, 30 degrees outside. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. We took a nine-run lead in the first inning off Aaron Crow. Well, I couldn't get somebody loose fast enough before we give up 31 runs. Nobody talked to me for 48 hours. You know, I'm like sitting there like, this is crazy. Next day we get beat 11 nothing. you know, and, and Ruffin pitched on Saturday. And he said, Coach, can I talk to the team? And, I, I you know, I, I sit right behind Augie in the bus and say, hey, Coach, what? He, uh, Ruffin wants to talk to – he's a freshman. He wants to talk to the team. Well, he says, you know, I'm fine with that. Go ahead. So, you know, I think I'm fired. You know, I I, I, I left a place at Navarro where it was, you know, it was fun. It was And all of a sudden I go to Texas and I'm like feeling the pressure, you know. And so we get back. He beats he beats Missouri 9-2. to two. We get back that night. I walk into my oldest son's house, uh, room upstairs and it's 1127. I'll never forget it in my other son's room. And I'm like, Lord, why am I here? There's got to be a reason why well, I think I was sent there to understand what the environment was teaching you. I was, I could teach the, the mechanics. I could teach the, all those little bitty things that go into a, a delivery and teach a guy how to be competitive, but I needed to learn how to be, how to teach, how to be in control yourself one pitch at a time, because it's about one pitch and the attitude that you go to and you start trying to teach in that, in that environment. And so wasn't a better environment to learn in than Texas where, you know, the expectation is unrealistic. It was, uh, it was just, it's a, it's a watermark that, that is really tough. And uh, I learned it from coach Garrido and understand it. Ken Revisa, a sports psychologist and 
those things, you know, I started really working on it. And, and it's kind of funny, the f- pitching coach for the Colorado Rockies, he, he played against him. His name's Steve Foster. I played against him in high school. He's from DeSoto. And he was an area scout when I was at Navarro. He calls me and says, hey, Skip, man, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, um, you doing all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, I want you to read two books. And one, the first book is uh, The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. The second book is uh, 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 God's Sacred Journey by David L. Cook. And so I read those books in two weeks. You know, and the first book is Seven Decisions of Success, told in story form. Andy Andrews lived lived under this bridge. And uh, uh, he wrote this, you know, this book where a guy had everything and he lost it. And he basically, the decisions are, you, the buck stops here, learn from the wise, have a decided heart and stuff like that. And then Golf Sacred Journey by David L. Cook's more of a, a guy that, you know, had to make up three shots at a junior amateur to win it on the back nine at a golf course in San Antonio. And what's the, and I'll tell you what's amazing about the two books as well, is he makes up three shots and wins the junior amateur. Well, he's fixing, he's on the Nike tour or whatever tour, he's gonna make up three more shots on the back nine. And he makes a 15, he gets in his car, he comes to a road that splits. It's either uh, links of utopia or wherever. Well, he pulls up on this driving range, he gets out and nobody's there and he starts hitting golf balls and he's just strapping every one of them. He's like, man, this is weird. A guy pulls up on his tractor. To make a long story short, this guy, you know, he moved out of Houston and moved into and built this golf course because he is an innovator in teaching. And so basically he said, you give me seven days and I'll, and I'll fix your game. So he says, meet me at the driving range at eight o'clock in the morning. He's sitting there hitting balls. And that teacher, that pro says, Hey, what's wrong with your grip? He said, uh, nothing's wrong with my grip. He says, well, he starts, you know, you know, what is wrong with my grip? And the pro goes, well, you have zero conviction in what you're doing. Go down by that sycamore tree down there, write all the reasons why you grip the club that way. And the next morning, he says, meet me at the river. When he gets there, the pro's fly fishing in a canoe. And he's teaching him effort, rhythm, and balance and emotional control when he catches a fish. The guy gets up, flips it. Next day, he does a, a, flies in a plane, an internal, external checklist. Next day, he uh, uh, pitches washers for money. Basically, what he's trying to teach him is uh, uh, see it, feel it, trust it. Your effort controls your, your rhythm and timing. If you can repeat your delivery, it's no different than golf. Me and Hunter's out there playing golf one day, and he's been hitting at 300, and, I'm, and I've been strapping it, but I've been hitting at 270. All of a sudden, I want to get in there, and I'll, I want to try to do the same thing. And I use a little bit more r- rhythm. I get out of my rhythm. I get I get I use too much effort. I get out of that rhythm. I push it or hook it, and all of a sudden, it takes the great ones, zero to five swings or zero to five pitches to get back in the rhythm, the good ones, five to 10 and from 10 on. And you can see it to, in today's world, even within the big leagues, the guys will get in there, they'll get that guy one, two, and they'll end up walking that guy because they're just trying to uh, uh, punch the guy out instead of, you know, getting the guy out. If you could throw 27 pitches and get 27 outs, would you? That's the question, you know, and, and what we talk a lot about just throwing ball the target because that's really the only thing that you can control. Wow. You hit on it's quick, but uh, that's kind of what we do. Opening up the notebooks again with scouts eyes and a focus on the world showcase. uh, Let's listen to national scouting director, Jared Goodwin. There was some big time talent in Fort Myers at the perfect game world showcase. A lot of known names, but also some real pop-up guys 
Rene Lazarus showed his usual plus arm during drills, easy mechanics, um, and he just looks like one of those new age, big bodied power catchers. Uh, the arm really stands out, but he took a good BP and then in game, he turned on a 93 mile per hour fastball, hit it over both fences, bounced in the middle of the road on Veronica Shoemaker and then hit a car. Uh, easily uh, one of the longer home runs I saw hit in the entire um, showcase circuit. Jonathan Santucci has a lot of loft power in his left-handed swing, easy mechanics in the outfield with 96-mile-per-hour arm strength. Then he jumped on the mound during the tournament portion and was up to 93 with a really refined delivery. Elmer Rodriguez-Cruz lived up to the hype. He was up to 94, lived in the low 90s, threw a good breaking ball, but it was the changeup. Um, that he threw. He threw two pitches uh, with that changeup that showed uh, tons of life, really, really good boring action. And, and you could argue that they were that those two pitches were plus right now. Uh, the body still projects and he's a huge prospect. Derek DJ Radke was up to 93, uh, 92 with some sink, um, good breaking ball, durable body, and he's really cleaned up the arm action. He had a really impressive showing. Renzo Gonzalez has big two-way ability, upper 80s uh, with, with a polished three-pitch mix, took a really good BP, kind of a line drive hitter, but then turned on one in a game, hit it off the top of the wall in January. Uh, just looks like he was born to play baseball. Tommy Tavares has big tools as well as huge projection left, not only in his frame, but also uh, just with his overall skill set. Uh, he can really pick it at shortstop, good arm, big actions, and the power is going to come as he fills out. Nick Hill was kind of an unknown, uh, but a nice six foot three long body, whippy swing, and hit one well over the left center field wall in game for a no doubt home run. And Carson Horning was one of the bigger names at the event that stood out. Huge left-handed power, really young for the for the class. The body is still um, kind of uh, young looking, and and he was a huge huge standout. Um, some other names that, to note that really stood out at, at the event: Carter Jensen and Grant Hussey lived up to their left-handed power hype. Alec Ujoa plays with his hair on fire and and has some of the best bat speed in the entire class. Jordan Viers and T.J. White showed big bat speed and power potential from the left side. Christian Campbell just does everything so easy. Marcus Franco hit in BP, showed all fields power, then hit in the game. And Jaden Rudd just is, continues to come on as one of the maybe maybe one of the best pure hitters in the entire class. Uh, that'll do it here. That's the wrap from Fort Myers. Hope to see you soon. It's fun when we open up this notebook of scouts' eyes because we're doing so with the guy who was scouted forever. Todd Coffey, longtime Major League reliever, really good guy, cutting his teeth at the bottom, working his way up as a scout. Let's listen to him open up his notebook in Todd's edition of Scout's Eyes. This year's World Showcase was tremendous. And the fact of the, the players uh, really brought their A game uh, from pitching, hitting, fielding, uh, running the 60. And it just all around was something to watch as these young men keep progressing each year and keep getting better and better. Um, and this year, something was new was the K-Motion. Uh, and it was something that the kids looked at and were like super excited about and really ready to dive into the technology that's coming out this year uh, and something that we have been wanting. And now that we have this and we're implementing it and these young men absolutely love what it brings to the table. Uh, if you just go and look at it, it is just something that 
no no one else has. Uh, it is something that's going to help us really identify these young men and help them out and you know help them get to the next level. Um, the games this year at the showcase were really competitive um, from the pitching standpoint uh, the, and the hitters. It just something that was a different type of atmosphere. Uh, and every year these showcases get better and better. Uh, it's just something that I enjoy watching as a scout to watch each one of these young men bring their their A game and showcase what they really can do. And this year's showcase was no different than any other. So I, I guess for me, Kyle Sally is um, just fun. I wasn't present with your interview, but I loved listening to it with Elmer Rodriguez. The future is bright. But when you listen to a guy like Kyle Sally and you understand where we are in our world, hopefully growing, hopefully evolving. I know I'm listening. I'm trying. But you're excited. You're excited about the future. You understand that if Kyle Sally doesn't pitch for the Mets, he, he may end up being a lawyer for the Mets. He may be their team doctor. He may be their senior vice president of media relations. Like you get excited when you talk to people like Kyle Sally, who, by the way, probably will pitch in the big leagues. Yeah, he is thoughtful and he is a leader and he's a voice. And he, I think that I hope that he keeps speaking up and I hope that, you know, we keep having these conversations. And like he said, it's about being genuine and authentic and and not just wanting the best for the person in front of you, but also for the whole community um, of people, you know, the black community, black athletes, not just your one friend. So um, I listened. I, I'm going to keep listening. I I'm excited to see what he does. And like you said, I mean, the team at Duke, keep your eye on those guys. Oh, that's the hottest team in baseball. Sorry, everybody else. My apologies. <laughs> send, your, send your emails to uh, Wexelman Danny at, uh, at Uh You know, I, I loved reading about Elmer Rodriguez, but I didn't go to that event. I, I read all the bio stuff that he filled out, who he is as a young man, the loss of his grandfather, how much, you know, that has molded him and he's gone through some tough times. But at the end of the day, it's his parents. It's his dad, Carlos. This is uh, this is a unique athlete, but you got to know him. What was your takeaway? My takeaway 100% is that he realizes how precious the game is and how much it can give you if you give it enough and that every day um, shouldn't, should be cherished. And coming from a teenager, that for me uh, sticks out the most in my mind. And I, I want to get to know him more and know, you know, deeper into his story, but we definitely learned a lot about him. If he goes to Oregon, whatever he may do, um, people are going to be excited about this guy and they're going to want to hang out with him and get to know him more. So I'm glad that we got to share a little bit about his story here on amateur hour and, and PGTV um, and, and throughout all of our channels. I know that, that that video will be everywhere you get your eyes on. That's great. Good, good cross promoting. Do you, you like that? That's, that's You're well welcome. Done. See? Hey, you and I both. Well, you and I have both been at the highest levels, covering the best athletes in the world in, in the major leagues. We've both had great gigs at that level. Um, but I think you know, as I talked about starting the podcast, the purity of a young athlete that reaches out when somebody who's distant from them, like me, loses a dad. Now, mm-hmm. dad was a baseball guy like them, and I think they connected to that too as well. But there is something great about our job, and that's it right there. I would never want to lose a family member to go down that road again. But what's great about their, our job is, um, and what doesn't have me longing to be where I was is the fact of the purity of the athlete. And yes, the big leagues are amazing and the private jets are great. And they take your bags to your room, even if you're just the announcer and they give you 
hundreds of dollars to eat with. Like, yeah, that's super cool and, and, and all well and good. But I, I really realized kind of what it's all about with the period of the athlete going through that. I think, Danny, you see it too. This is, uh, you know, sorry to be Pollyanna folks, but this is one of those situations where, you know, dealing with these athletes and those of you that are maybe discouraged about our future, just damn it, don't be. Because there are a lot of great athletes that if they don't make it, and most of them won't make it, most of them won't. If they don't, they're on a path to being grownups. They're on a path to being dads. They're on a path to being, you know, educators. They're going to make mistakes. But um, I'm encouraged about the future because of what I went through this the, the, the last couple of days. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you wanted to honor your dad by working, by getting back to work and doing the thing that you love because that's what he would want you to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you and your family. I know what it's like to lose a dad. And mm -hmm. I, I understand that. But what I got to see, the outpouring was jaw dropping. And that was just on social media alone, watching people reach out to you and hearing, you know, that your phone was was not silent for, you know, I'm sure it's still <laughs> not silent days after. And I, I think that that should make you proud of the person that your your dad was, the legacy that he's leaving behind and you and you that will continue to work hard and be a good person and respect every single person that you come in contact with. Baseball is a community. It's a beautiful, tight-knit community that takes care of each other. And, and you are usually taking care of other people. And in this moment, you got to be taken care of. And I, I'm really glad for that. Um, and I, I'm just lucky that I get to do this with you. And, and you were honest and transparent. Um, and you share, you're always sharing. And you teach me that to be open and, and honest with people. So, you know, I'm glad we got to have this chance to honor him, to dedicate this podcast to him um, and, and share incredible stories as we do uh, week after week. Nobody loves the sound of their own voice more than me. So you can call it being <laughs> transparent. It's just that I, 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 this is this is just time that I don't bother my family with my talking. They're thrilled. They wish the podcast was five hours long because then I wouldn't do it out there. No, genuinely, I appreciate it. Uh, our partnership and these efforts and others are outstanding. Um, you know, and if you really want to do something cool, like if you really want to make a difference, you, you got to like this and subscribe to this. Please. Obviously, I'm putting I'm putting guilt on you now. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> using the sadness I went through to, to put faux guilt on you now. Like, subscribe, uh, unsubscribe, like again, share it with your friends, share it with your friends. I don't say that enough. Share it with your friends because, uh, you know, I'll show up every day. At least I got that going for me. I'll be here and, and you'll get at least me in human form. That's it. That's all I got. What more could you ask for? That's it.